Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, and now we're here in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. You should know that I am from the northeast part of China by now, and I am speaking to Jason and everybody from a very chilly, beautiful, sunny Beijing today. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Headlines around the world lead many to believe that there may be conflict soon, or there are conflicts, and everything is is going to heck because lots of people from different countries don't understand each other. Yeah. The nation is filled with stories of war, famine, and economic downturns. There's never been a more important time for us to make an effort to learn about the national cultures of our global peers. Yes. Besides, HR's already told you you needed to. <laughs> so, <laughs> we are the bridge, and we are a culture show. We're a show about culture and bridging culture. So, Alex happens to know quite a bit about this topic. I'm going to lean on her expertise today. I feel like I have exhausted I... my knowledge and, and, and whatsoever expertise I had on this topic. Mm, but mm. it is very important. You know, I actually did not encounter this in HR in the United States. It's funny that I keep reading all these articles over and over and over about how important it is. But when I came to China, every mm. six months, I was constantly getting, receiving a new training. Not just me specifically. I didn't do anything bad but like <laughs> me and my peers sitting together in a room were being trained on cross-cultural awareness it was yeah. part of our onboarding it was part of but like every six months it's constantly hr is like we need to learn how to make sure that we're all understanding each other yeah i think a lot of this is for the noobs you know the people who come to china and they're like you know why do people do that why do people do this and so it's like helping them try to develop the skill set necessary to understand that mm. people do things differently. And it's onboarding and it's ongoing. It's something that if you're a company that's going overseas or if you're a company that's operating in a different country, it's just very necessary for you to continuously remind your employees that this is one thing you need to keep in mind all the well, time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but, you know, I want to give some some things that shocked me a little bit or not shocked me things that happened in my first year that I was surprised with. Okay. I worked in a room and we were teaching kids. This was 2012 uh -huh. and there was a Chinese teacher and me, and yeah. there was an air conditioner unit that worked very effectively and that you could turn <laughs> it up and down. And uh -huh. within minutes, it seemed to change the entire room. Mm. And so, uh, I liked it cool because I was jumping around and like teaching and like yeah. trying to be entertaining. And so I would set it like 20 and then my Chinese coworker was, would secretly, when I wasn't looking, turn it up to like 25 or 26. <laughs> and so this kept happening like for a while. And I was really confused. And a part of it was they weren't doing as much jumping around. Yeah. But also, I, I don't want to make like a, uh, you know, a generalization, but it does seem Chinese folks like it a little bit warmer. Am I wrong? We do. We, we do like it a lot warmer than American people <laughs> yeah, yeah. do. It's, and it seems to be an American thing because I talk is. to other Europeans and they're like, they're not like that. Yeah. They're like 20 degrees is too cold. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. I remember there was a celebrity couple mm. went on the interview and the, the wife was saying that because her husband, her American husband loves 
to put the aircon on like 17, 18 degrees. When <laughs> wow. they, otherwise, he couldn't fall asleep. So to to find mm-hmm. a perfect middle ground, their compromise was that he will raise the temperature of the air conditioning to like 20, which is already too hot for him. Mm. And then his wife would mm. wear a hat and really thick socks and <laughs> then really heavy blankets. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> like you, uh, you guys, but even in our office, which is a Chinese company and it operates in Beijing, Sometimes it still gets a little too cold because sometimes people complain. Mm, so mm. Uh, we all have an office blanket wow. if the aircon gets too cold. Yeah, we really, we, most of us do. I want to work in a place where I can throw just... blankets on myself. <laughs> Come to work in blankets <laughs> and one of those hats with a white ball on the end of it, you know? I guess it's easy. Just, just make sure that your supervisors hear our show. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. How am I going to do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea how that, that would be possible. Because this wasn't just happening in my classroom. This was happening in many classrooms. And apparently... Apparently, the big company that we worked for made a rule that all classrooms across the entire country needed to be set to 22 mm. because they figured this is a reasonable amount of cold and hot for everybody. So, you know, the a lot of the Americans were like, oh, it's it's too hot. It's too hot. And a lot of the, the local folks, we called them, that's Chinese folks in China, <laughs> local folks. That's too they cold. Like, that's too cold. But, you know, everyone was equally uncomfortable because <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, couldn't just have a battle between people people trying to turn it up and down between each other's backs. So this is a cross-cultural issue. This is why cross-cultural understanding is important Mm. because people do like things differently. I like iced water. My wife likes hot water. This is a reality. Mm. So she actually, sometimes she's trying to force me to drink hot water. Have you tried? Did you try? Did you listen? Did you follow? Oh, I have. T- I don't <laughs> like it. It's it's not as refreshing tasting to me. She feels like I'm damaging my health by drinking cold water that like mm. I'm hurting my chi. And every time I have re- anything wrong with me, like, I, oh, my tummy hurts. She's like, you know, it's because drink you drink cold water. water. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not just drink some hot water. It's it's because you drink cold water or I'll like I'll gain a little weight. She'll see. It's because you drink cold water or I'll, my, I'll hurt my back because I fell down some stairs. It's because you drink cold water. Mm. <laughs> this is really funny. I mean, we're in this episode, we're definitely going to talk about uh, cross-cultural phenomenon and Mm. different habits, different ideas about how things are operated in different countries. But Mm. I was having coffee with two friends. One of them is Chinese, very Chinese, who a very dear uh, comedian friend who lived in the United States for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. The other one is Malaysian who moved to China. He's like, you know, uh, Malaysian, but of Chinese descent. And he knows all of the traditions that are observed and practiced in China. But he still, you know, he grew up speaking English, um, all that. And then we ordered our drinks at this place. And the Chinese person who has stayed in the United States asked for a coffee. When they served coffee, and mind you, this is October, Beijing. So it's it's pretty cold. It's pretty chilly. Mm-hmm. And they served him the coffee in the in the coffee mug and it was steaming. You see the fog coming up. And then he said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I should have made it clear. I should have told you I, I want this iced. Can you put and he gave me like a glass of ice and just pour the coffee over the ice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you want you're going to drink iced coffee in this weather. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, our Malaysian friend was sipping on his hot mm-hmm. water and he said i didn't drink i he was like i was just like this like growing up everything that i drank it was ice cold mm. and it feels good but then i moved here married my wife who's chinese and she started asking me to drink hot water and i'm at a point where like i do feel like i need that to keep my body balanced like everything in my body i feel mm. like if i don't drink hot water it it mm. offsets mm. the balance of my body 
You're listening to The Bridge. It's time for our new segment, The Interchange. Yes. Uh, we'd like to share your experiences on The Bridge. This is from Neo Lee. Neo Lee. He says, <laughs> hey, The Bridge team. This is your loyal audience, Neo Lee from Guangdong province. I love The Bridge and I love you guys too, Jason, Bebe, and Alex. I'm not going to say how much I do love your show, only that I listen to each episode even back oh, to wow. last year. So we would love to share your emails and your voice on The Bridge. So today's question for our listeners is, is cross-cultural communication at your work or in your life? And how is it important? Please do let us know what you feel about this specific topic. Please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. That's W-E-L-O-V-E-T-H-E-B-R-I-D-G-E at gmail.com. Welovethebridge at gmail.com. Or you can simply write your response. We also would love to play your audio file. And we do love the bridge. You're listening to The Bridge. I have an article here just so we can Mm. underline why cross-cultural understanding is important. It's from answers-list.com. And the title is, Why is it important to have cross-cultural understanding? And it says, cross-cultural awareness helps us break down cultural barriers, build cultural bridges. Ha-ha! And uh, (laughs) it doesn't say ha-ha. And learn how to love and appreciate those around us. We can relate better to people with cultural differences as we begin to understand ourselves better. Mm. This results in more cultural connection and less cultural conflict. So, I mean, if we're going to walk into a boardroom or room and receive a training on cross-cultural understanding, Alex, what would one or two of the bullet points be in that meeting? I think when you talk about cross-cultural communication, you have to start, it sounds so cliche, but you always have to start with the definition of culture. Mm. Everyone will give you, depending on the purpose of the training and the organizer of the training, they'll probably give you a different Mm. definition of what they think culture is then you can talk about cross-cultural communication and then you will there are many third-party training facilities programs designed to help corporates conduct cross-cultural communication but a lot of the similarities among these programs are around the topic of Mm -hmm. cultural sensitivity because you can't really think about or learn about how to operate how to behave or how to identify what situation is if you're not sensitive enough to the difference basically in other words um, you will be talking about having an open mind when you talk to people from a mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. cultural background different cultures interacting with each other are going to produce produce different results because there may be commonalities between some cultures and those commonalities disappear mm-hmm. so it really there are 200 countries ish in each one of these countries there are more subcultures yeah and there's something like 5,000 languages and if we're just talking about languages as a culture exactly that, that's roughly 5,000 existing languages that means there are at least 5,000 existing cultures plus then you have sub cultures. So you have people who speak the same language from the same ethnicity, same cultural background, but then you have subcultures within that like goth or emo or mm. whatever. So I, I don't know, nerdy reader, <laughs> Star Wars, end up with like a million cultures or something. Yeah. And then like each one of them, when they interact with another culture, are going to have completely different issues interacting with one another. That's why it's impossible to exhaust all the so-called shortcuts to knowing about what that culture is about. Mm. 
sense, it's more important or it's more efficient and realistic to have a mindset when you're dealing with someone from a different culture. Because mm. it's just like we just said, it's just impossible to learn about that place. And you can't, again, you can't really learn about the place by just either reading or watching whatever media products you have to really think about um, how am I going to interpret somebody else's words when they're from a different place? Uh, how am I going to perceive the information I'm getting? And if you can convince yourself to always think differently or put yourself in that mindset before you start interpreting their message, then you're already much farther along than a lot of other people. So going back to your um, first bullet point, well, I guess it would be your second bullet point after mm. what is culture, then there is cultural sensitivity. sensitivity. Yes. And so this me and you men mentioned open mindedness. This means being with a person or a group of people who are dissimilar mm. from yourself or whatever, however we would measure that. And then when they behave in ways that you are not used to, not immediately having like a visceral reaction of like, what? Yeah. But actually be like, oh, okay, this is a new, a different way people engage with the world. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're, I guess we're, it's out of survival instinct. We're all going to find the way that fits us the best. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then we also have to acknowledge that that way is going to vary from person to person, not even yeah. region or culture. Yeah. And, right, yeah. right. And when you basically like, if you think about, if you, if you imagine the corporate world as a, primitive jungle where you have to find people who are so different from you but you have to work towards the same goal otherwise hmm. you both are gonna hmm. starve to death mm -hmm. and then you really have to learn how the other person hunts mm -hmm. and you can't be like oh you're not hunting the way i'm hunting yeah. so you're wrong and then no because the premise is that you have to work together mm. to both get what you deserve, both get what you need. And that's the sensitivity. It's not like, oh, I'm going to observe every single detail. It's like, oh, when I see something that is different, am I going to be sensitive enough to think that's how they are programmed to do things and not that they are doing things different mm. from how I do it? Which sounds like the same thing. But if you really think about it, it's it's a mindset difference. I, I mean, I'm trying to extrapolate these business um, ideas, these ideas from HR mm. so that we can extrapolate them to a larger global global scale to try to scale them up to use a business term. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's really interesting, but you know, like you said, within a culture, you have all of these other cultures. So you could have like people who are from America, people who were born in America, mm. born in the same state, third yeah. generation or greater having lived in America, maybe with the same religious background. And then you yeah. could still have subdivisions like over and over and over again. So you have, yeah. the, I was raised in a city, they were raised in the countryside. And then you could be like, oh, you like living where there are like bugs or the other person might be like, <laughs> you like living where there are there less trees or you can't like yeah. ride a horse through the field. Like, yeah. so people are very dissimilar, each individual person. So basically, if I understand you correctly, what we're talking about is being okay with the fact that other people do things differently. Yeah. this is what we call it's a, if we want to throw a, a, throw a feel jargons in there, it's, it's the mono, it's the monocultural mindset versus the intercultural mindset mm -hmm. or the global mindset and the mindset is something that is the ultimate goal of these trainings or these programs but mindset is the hardest thing to change so like if, if you want to put things in perspective when someone is in a a, a monocultural mindset that person is going to mm -hmm. that kind of mindset makes sense of cultural differences and commonalities based on someone's own cultural values and practices and that's what i said like i am going to the jungle 
knowing that it, this, this is how I'm going to hunt. Um, but an intercultural intercultural or global mindset is going to make sense of cultural differences and commonalities based on other cultures, values and practices. This is what I mean when I see something different. I could have the capabilities of thinking, oh, that's how they do it. Not, oh, that's different from me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems really simple. And also it, is, <laughs> it uh, seems simple. Complicated. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I, I think it would be fun a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. as long as we uh, choose our battles carefully to talk about some of the things, because, yes, people are dissimilar even within their own culture. But there are there are some bell curves where people are more similar coming from specific kinds of backgrounds than uh, other people from from other uh, other backgrounds. And, you know, obviously you have outliers. Here's an Mm -hmm. outlier. Most people are afraid of snakes and spiders or snakes or spiders or falling from. There's certain fears that are common, like elevators. Our other co-host, Bebe, I'm not picking on her. I think it's (laughs) amazing. Actually, I think it's really, really interesting. She's afraid of butterflies. I didn't know that it was possible to be afraid of butterflies but she thinks butterflies are disgusting <laughs> like so butterflies like, are like because i am afraid of moths are you afraid of moths i know a lot of people are afraid of moths because they're like weird looking and flap around and, and they have that dusty thing on their rings <laughs> mm-hmm. but butterflies i mean we rarely see them i don't know why i see, do see them they're pretty beautiful maybe i understand there are those very plain looking butterflies they're a little they look a little grayish and they're they're butterflies but they're not like the pretty ones oh, so you think ugly butterflies are like moths <laughs> i just i just want to get this down so when the butterflies achieve sentience they could be like alex you've been judging us <laughs> <laughs> now i sound like a horrible judgy person let's go with this a little bit so you went to america and i've asked i yeah. love to ask this question about every guest so you come to America, oh, what surprises you? What surprised you and you needed to maybe overcome or or you, maybe you did look at it with an open mind and you were like, but that is different. And you registered it in your own mind. I think I've, I've said this example before because that re- that's really what shocked me mm. on my own lack of knowledge. I wouldn't call it mm, ignorance. Mm, mm, mm. It's chit chat. Chit chat. It's the amount of chit chat that American people do that we just didn't know, regardless of how much English articles we read or how many English movies or TV shows that we watched before going to the United States. When we went i really i i kid you not i did not know how to answer for for the longest time i didn't know how to just say oh i'm good and just move on when people mm. ask me hey what's mm. up <laughs> wow i would go into a whole storytelling moment they were like i just wanted you to say nothing <laughs> exactly they're like we don't i don't really want to know anything i don't really need to know what's going on that i mm. took me a long time to get over mm. that wow yeah i guess i can see that actually this is not about china this is about england i, I have a lot of english friends and they love to talk about the weather <laughs> that's a, that's one of the stereotypes that we learned you know the, i learned the, the skill people. i like to talk about the weather for like 30 seconds like we do often at the beginning of the show but they really like to talk about the weather <laughs> i guess both are kind of a way of trying to find some mm. common topic to make the conversation starting starting point oh, yeah to make the starting point a little smoother mm. i was having such a hard time with the chit chat with the little greetings you know when you meet people because mm. that's not that's not how we do it in China. Yeah. Like, what's up? If I don't know you, yeah. Well, how do you do it? Because I, I was gonna say about like, that too. If I don't really know you that well, I would just say hello, and I wouldn't stop. But I wouldn't say, "Oh, hey, what's you up?" You know what I hear? What? Oftentimes, yes. and I do. I hear this in English too, all the time, every day. Uh-huh. Have you eaten? 
did you have breakfast? And then I always think, what? They really want to know about my breakfast. And I'll do the same thing as you. And I'll start talking about what I had for breakfast and stuff. And people are like looking at me awkwardly. What do you mean from Chinese yeah, people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you eaten? Oh. You What? I haven't. I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I hear that all the time. Oh, oh, every, every day I walk into work and someone asks me if I've eaten. I don't get the context. They don't care. Actually, they just, it's I like, hello. I only do that. They're just like, oh, yeah. Churla, Nina. It just mean I ate, yeah. did you? But like, for me, I'm like, yeah, I went to the canteen and they had some. They're like, what? What? They look confused. I will say, <laughs> and this this is by no means me saying that this is what was going on in your co-worker's mind. Mm. But for me, I only do that when I'm very awkward. Not awkward, but I have nothing else to talk about to my co-worker mm. around lunch hours. Mm, mm, so if I see them back at their desk, I would just be like, oh, did you eat? Like, have you eaten already? Oh, you've come back from lunch. So those things. I swap them out every couple of days. To sound a little bit more innovative. For American fans <laughs> listening, that is kind of like a what's up in China. To some extent, some people say, have you eaten? But they don't really want a long answer also. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> it's it's so, because I know a lot of people talk about this saying, um, if you're introducing Chinese culture or, or specifically Beijing culture to people who are trying to visit, and then they come here and they just like kind of go around and ask people, hey, you turn them out. But it's not a, it's not a greeting where you say like you know you can just go up to anyone and be like oh hey what's up or hey how are you doing mm. like it's used among your neighbors a lot when mm. we were in the old days when we were living in the hutones in the you know the, the small houses and maybe it's generational it's very it's generational really younger than my co a lot of my coworkers. probably because i have never heard yeah. anyone asking me they would ask me not in a reading way like they would literally ask me the question like oh did you have dinner did you have lunch or like did you like the lunch mm. You know, it would be an actual conversation, not a just a, a greeting, um, like a, a pathway to a conversation. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Other examples of when you went to America or in England, I know you went to study at Cambridge for a summer, mm. either example where you traveled abroad and you were surprised by some of the behaviors that you encountered. Um, surprised. I would say that I was surprised at how comfortable people are with when I went to the when I went to New York in 2015, mm -hmm. there were still quite a lot of performers on the subway. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the performers are other people people would cause a scene and i am quite surprised at the fact that other people in the same car would just stay there i thought in our mind we're like oh you know when you go to the states people are very helpful they're very outgoing <laughs> they could they could perfectly live in their own world as well you're talking about performance not an actual injury or like someone hurting someone else that's kind of the thing like sometimes a fight breaks out people would just leave other people would just leave them be <laughs> I mean, that's universal sort yeah, of yeah, in different countries. You see that where you know, I've, I'm always surprised that like when I'm on Twitter, for example, people post videos of Americans having fights and not people not helping or they do that the reverse, too. And everyone's always look at your culture. They're not even helping. But I know this is something but it's like you do it in your own culture yeah, as well. People around the world don't want to get involved in a fight and get injured or have a broken nose. Yeah. So like this is something that yeah. different kinds of people in different cultures do want to stop a fight. But some people are like, whoa, you know, I don't want to get involved in you guys fight. I don't even know what's going on sometimes, you know. I guess if we want to put a little positive spin on this, I guess this is one thing that did 
uh, surprised me and I was fully embraced it later on is the casual compliments that you get from people that just walk by you. Could you give us an example or maybe delineate <laughs> that story a little more clearly? I don't know. Maybe it's because I was living around it's people smiling, not just smiling. They would actually pay compliments. They would actually tell you they're like, oh, hey. I really like your jacket. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see Right? That. You know, that's something. Like, that's People something. don't say that in China. I no. never really noticed that they, they, they don't. No, they don't. They will never come up to you and be like, oh, I like your jacket. Yeah, I saw a guy who had a really nice Jeep, for example. It had one of those snorkels on or surrounding the engine so he could drive through rivers. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, that's a nice Jeep. And then what did he I, say? He looked stunned, actually. Because we're not used to it. <laughs> <laughs> we're really not used to it. We're not used to Is that weird? Do people dislike get receiving compliments from random strangers? They are not used to receiving compliments from random strangers so what you need to do is you need to speak a little more to get them into the scenario you're trying to build is like which is i am trying to pay you a compliment Mm. otherwise it just becomes a random interaction from a random stranger Uh that he does not see the purpose of i do that often i'll be like dude that's really nice t-shirt you need to say a little more and he's like in america that's like a normal thing exactly people don't do that to me (laughs) i thought i just don't dress well (laughs) (laughs) no because even if they like how you dress they're not gonna be like especially when they don't know you or even at workplaces if Mm -hmm. they don't have a closer relationship with you they would not go up to you be like hey jason you look great today like none of your business huh. wow i'm gonna have to oh, I, I don't know i don't know if i want to stop because if i see a guy with cool shoes i want to be able to say oh don't cool shoes man. just give him a little more context <laughs> i don't know if i w- if you're just passing someone briefly and you're on your way somewhere you can't just be like dude nice shoes yeah then i mean then chances are they are just gonna not really hear what you just said and then be like why did that why, why did that foreigner what, stop yeah why did he shoes? point at my shoes is there something <laughs> wrong with my shoes uh-oh uh-oh oh no and then he'll overanalyze it for weeks what about my shoes i know <laughs> okay so body language can people misunderstand you know okay Absolutely. yes i'm gonna start off by saying yes the big ones are and i think we've covered these in the show standing close is a thing that seems to happen more often in yeah China. people will generally stand closer and in america people like a full yard distance between each other at least america's social distancing before social distancing was the thing (laughs) i'll I'll do this i'll do this at my work this happens every day where i'll be like i'll take a step back to like have my space and people will step forward again yes and then i'll talk for a few minutes and i'll realize i feel awkward about the space i'll step back and within seconds they'll step forward again (laughs) like i realize oh usually the second time i'll catch myself and realize ah this is the space that's going to be maintained no matter where I step so yeah yeah sometimes I'll also lean against the wall it's something I do I don't know if it's an American thing or just me I'll lean against the wall and I'll not be looking at the person uh-huh. and sometimes in China I get this and in America people will not care like there's whatever but in China I'll notice that people will walk around to stand in the direction that my face is pointing <laughs> what <laughs> yeah this happens I notice it in America oftentimes you don't look at each other always you don't always make eye contact you just like take a, yeah. a comfortable position but in China, I'll take a comfortable position, like leaning against the wall and like looking out the window. Yeah. And then I'll notice that my Chinese friend will then move between me and the window so that I'm looking at that. That is very <laughs> odd. I don't know if that's a cultural thing or you just have weird. Maybe friends. it's just me. Maybe it's just a me thing or them. I don't know. But I've seen this. This has happened to me more than once. Yeah. Wow. Maybe, maybe it's a me thing. Here's a little funny anecdote that involves my dear, dear mother. Mm. I've mm. been trying to take her to more of my social occasions because I want her to see who my friends are. And they're my friends are generally loving people, as you mm. have seen. I hope you feel the yeah. same way. Yeah, you have a lot of families with kids. Right. And then... I would love for my mom to know them as well, but 
here comes the thing. My mom is not used to interacting with foreigners, <laughs> with the, you know, expatriates living in China. Mm. I am very much used to it. Mm. And there's no right or wrong. But when I see my friends, whether they're female or male, I'll mm. give them a hug. And sometimes, for example, if it's like my other guy friends who are taller, it'll look like they're trying, really trying to hug me. <laughs> they have to like get on my level and then like, you know, hug me and their arms are really long. It's like they're really holding. And then my mom was like, are you very close with those guys? <laughs> I said, that's just a greeting, mom. She's like, yeah, but he was really hugging you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think there's any other way they could do that. But is this an Alex thing or did you pick this up in the States? Hugging, I mean, I think hugging in general is picked up for, for Chinese people because we don't, mm. it, it wasn't one of our. Yeah, I know a lot of Americans hug. I personally, I always get people who were weirded out by me in American culture because they'll all start hugging each other and then I'll be like, let's not hug. And Jason's not and a hugger, everybody. I'm not a hugger. <laughs> I'm not a hugger. Yeah, it's awkward for me. I don't. I don't like physical contact too much with other people. I actually like, know quite a few people because when we we're in mm. school, they're like, oh, and this is why I said in the very beginning of the show, you can't just try to learn facts mm. and then make yourself cross-culturally aware. Because when you're in school, you're like, you're taught that American people like to hug British people like to, I think, hug and kiss on the cheek mm. and stuff. And then Chinese people don't like it. And then if you actually meet those people, I could give you three names of British people that hate, absolutely mm. hate hugs. They would. I'm not alone. I forgot if I, I talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> they they would come to our place. Like uh, my dear friend, Tom, who's who uh, mm -hmm. moved to Singapore. He would come to our place. He would hang out with us. But when he was leaving, he would stand there with his arms folded. Like he would not hug you. He would be like, he would say things like, thank you for, thank you for having me. You have a really lovely space. Um, mm. um, I would love to do this again <laughs> with his arms folded or just yeah. like, you know, he was holding, he was holding his left wrist with his right arm and standing there. And then I would just walk over to him. And then if you talk about, if, if we're like, oh, what is the culturally appropriate action to do at this moment? Um, you should leave him alone. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to hug you, Tom. And Tom would, Tom would just turn around and then just give his back to me and I would hug his back. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I would hug his back and then he would turn around when, I, when I'm done and he'd be like, okay, bye. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. You know, I want to go back to your mom for a second, because I've only seen this in comedy routines and like sketches, like literally like little cartoon sketches. Do people, is it true that Chinese folks have a tendency not to say, I love you to one another, and even within their own family? I, my parents have never said I love you. So I, no, I, I don't want to fill in the gap with what I've already read, my preconceived notions and fill the conversation. Yeah. I want you to tell us, how do your parents let you know that they love you? Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay, let me let me let me be because in America we say, Mom, I love you like all the time. Constant. It's like, you know, when they cook for Chinese parents and their children, it's more about the actions. It's really not about what you say. Mm. I mean, of course, one of the aspects is to not say hurtful things to your parents or your kids, mm -hmm. although it's easier to do it one way than the other. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's mostly shown in the actions. If you you know, your parents 
Chinese parents are a little more giving and and that could be Mm. metaphorically or physically. Like they would literally give you things to survive. They're always worried about you not being Mm -hmm. able to um, handle the obstacles in your life. So they always want to give you assistance. Of course, they always want to give you guidance as well. Mm -hmm. And as a a child, especially for people my generation who are only child of their family, we would try Mm -hmm. to spend more time with our family. Um, And then if you're doing pretty okay Mm -hmm. financially, Mm -hmm. you don't have to really provide if they don't need to they don't need your financial support but you would give them some gifts or you know think about what they would need in their life Mm -hmm. and and, and buy those things for them but ultimately if you really want to say mom and dad i love you the thing that they most parents wouldn't want is for you to spend time with that does sound really nice it's a very good answer and it's a little bit it's similar but dissimilar to some other answers that i've read and learned about so have you okay this is an example from my wife's Uh her mom will yell at her spare with me (laughs) she'll be like aren't you gonna wear a hat yeah like so when she's going out and my wife has explained to me that even though she may be yelling and it sounds aggressive that's i love you because she's making sure Uh. that she's dressed for the cold or whatever it is or are you gonna wear that shouldn't you wear your big shoes where's your jacket and so sometimes even for for an american what sounds like okay they're not necessarily getting along is i care so deeply about you so like the translation is very complex in fact and that is that is also true that is even within um within china and different regions i think i mean my friend's family is mm-hmm. from nanjing mm-hmm. city in jiangsu province so they're a little more they talk a little tougher compared to the rest of the mm-hmm. the areas but in a way like the mom uh, her mom cares for her is very gentle is very loving but if you talk if you're looking at some of the other moms from my hometown like from Dongbei, they will talk really tough and they'll probably talk like summer's mom Mm-hmm. Uh, your wife, your mother-in-law, where they, it sounds like they're yelling at you or they're mad at you, but the words are actually mm-hmm. making sure that you are okay. Yeah, so that's that's a really interesting difference because oftentimes I think American families love and care for each other. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes it's easier to just say, I love you. And so people don't go through these extra steps of showing their love. Mm. And I think it's actually a really beautiful thing that I've learned to appreciate about Chinese culture that people... Friends, family, they really care about one another and how they care about one another isn't using words. It's by trying to actually care about the other person with action. Yeah, I think that some, sometimes exactly. And and people would say this as well. They would say, well, like it's so much it's so easy to say I love you. But what are you really going to do about it? <laughs> oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Is someone who's been through these um, cross-cultural communication trainings and, you know, helped others, have you ever found people who had difficulty adapting or being understanding about another person's culture? And what steps can others take to help that person do a better job? No, no real name, no real names. <laughs> oh boy, have I ever found... <laughs> I know, but this is this is where my um, where my money comes <laughs> okay, from, okay. basically. I didn't, I didn't actually know that, <laughs> or used to at least. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there are before I stepped into this field, I didn't know there were so many programs designed to help people improve their intercultural communication uh, abilities or awareness, mm-hmm. and those programs are pretty expensive. And I was like, oh my god, huh, I could do this hmm. and make money. That's wonderful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people. Hmm. Sometimes we we would criticize another person for being either 
either arrogant or impolite, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it at the end of the day is because we don't know how each other interact with uh, their own people. Mm-hmm. And I was actually having this conversation with uh, with a, a really close friend, uh, Fabio, who's from Brazil. And he was telling me his observations, which would answer your question very perfectly. He said, I started to realize such a simple, sounds like such a simple matter. But he said, I started to realize, realize that this is just how people are. Mm-hmm. And the people that we hang out with, he said, um, he said, people like you and Emma, our other Chinese friend, and there are some couple other Chinese friends at the party. He said, people like you, you're not Chinese, you know, like mm-hmm. you're not really Chinese. We, if you ride the train to 45 minutes, mm-hmm. either direction of the city center, away from the city center, you will be stepping into sort of a, a very different community. And that's the real China. But people there, they're not going to be the same group of people that you run into when you're walking on the street in San mm-hmm. And he said, China is the only place or <laughs> the only place he's lived in where he's comfortable with the idea of people staring at him. Mm-hmm. He's said, I am fully convinced, and I know this for a fact, he said, that people stare at you just out of curiosity. Anywhere else in the world, I'm going to think like, oh, it's either because my identity, either because my race, because my uh, or sexual orientation. Um, but he's like, China, they just look at you and they're like, oh, you look different. And I was super agreeing with this because I've had um, other friends who made these comments in a very angry manner, and they're mm. really complaining about people going up to them, uh, staring at them, taking pictures. And they're saying, how could you be so rude? And how could you not know what personal space is? And how do you think what I am? Like, we're human. Mm. We're human beings at the end of the day. Why do you think I am so different to a point where you have to take actions? But I am, you know, I, I empathize with their feelings. But also, realistically, these people who would mm-hmm. take out their phones to take a photo, they just haven't seen you. They just haven't seen anyone like you. Yeah. Or not enough. And seeing people on TV mm-hmm. that look mm-hmm. different from you is very different from interacting with people in real life who looks very different from you. And this is not to say that you are not, mm-hmm. you don't have the right to feel violated of your personal space or you feel weirded out by some actions. But, you know, just know when they do that, like 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 Fabio, <laughs> like Fabio said, they really don't mean harm. They don't mean harm. Yes. You know, can I add to that a little bit? Because I think that's very interesting. I mean, I've had I have the experience yesterday. Yeah. A couple of girls who were like, I don't know, high school age or whatever. They were like, yeah. <laughs> I go around. <laughs> so like was I'm walking down the street. I that's a little awkward to me at first. And then I like, yeah, whatever. They probably just haven't seen anyone like me. There's no I don't I don't take I think it's actually a, yeah. kind of cute. Part of my uh the charm of living here in China for so long. But. Yeah. You're listening to the bridge. I want to talk about the train ride because I think that's an interesting where place where we're actually more similar maybe than dissimilar. Because if you go to, mm. I don't know, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Boston or whatever, and you take a car ride because it won't be the train. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 30 minutes or 45 minutes away yeah. into like a country, you know, a countryside type of area. Mm. The culture is going to be way different yeah. than it is in these big metropolitan cities. So, yeah, if you're in Beijing or Shanghai or Chongqing or whatever and you go out at you know, 45 minutes by train or car. Yeah. Yeah. Culture is going to be very different. And this is actually kind of similar mm. between the two cultures because you have people in the countryside or the suburbs are different from people in the cities. And what's really interesting is people in cities everywhere, whether it be London or Beijing, Shanghai, New York, mm. are probably more similar to each other than like, than 
they are dissimilar or similar to the people around their cities. Yeah. So I think it's actually the metropoles of all of our globe are probably more dissimilar from everywhere else than, and more similar to each other. I think it's actually a, a different angle that we could take to the examining that. Because yeah, if you go out- Definitely. And also if you go to like, you know, the countryside and another country, they're farming with their hands. And you might go to another country where they're farming with their hands. These people would probably get along pretty well. And have a lot of things in common. Yeah, I mean, we. I think this is a, a forever ongoing topic or theme of our show is that there are so many commonalities between different cultures than mm-hmm. we think, and then a lot of the conflicts and, and frictions are from the fact that we are denying that. But I guess we're if if we're talking about cross cultural communication today, if we're thinking about the you know the the bullet points of yeah, what yeah. are the most important aspects when it comes to intercultural communication. Um, this this might help a little bit. It's a it's a it's a model that we use to train our employees. It's called IDI, but not to plug it. In this model, they listed out five stages mm-hmm. of intercultural communication sensitivities or intercultural awareness. And the the five stages are denial, polarization, minimization, acceptance, mm-hmm. and adaptation. Even for for someone like it'd be fun if you take the assessment as well, Jason. It, you have to pay, but it's not too expensive. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun to look at the final results. Yeah, because in the result, it, they gave you two quote unquote results. One is your perceived results, meaning where you think you are mm. on this on the scale in terms of intercultural communication. The other one is your actual mm. results. It always shocks people mm-hmm. when their perceived stage is so much more advanced than their actual uh, <laughs> yeah. stage. Yeah. And then I I think when we talk about a lot of the if you are just all in denial stage, it is fine. You know, we don't care about the other culture. We don't care what you think. Polarization, the second It sounds like I hate stage. that or something. That, that's how it yeah, sounds. Yeah, it's a, because it's a very judgmental orientation. Like yes. Exactly. And it, it really labels us and them. And that's why I personally, I don't like it when people are like, oh, can you tell me something about China? I said, no, you ask me questions because I don't want to be like, oh, we do things like this. Mm. What about you guys? You know, I want you to know mm-hmm. what you you were curious about this, uh, my culture, and then I can try my best to answer the mm-hmm. questions, but mm-hmm. then also really go and live the life if you really care about knowing instead of just getting pieces of information mm-hmm. to form mm-hmm. an, an argument um, about this place. Because mm-hmm. uh, honestly, that's really what happens most of the time if you're talking to people on the internet. And that's why I try not to engage on conversations on the internet. But if you go, <laughs> if you go forward a little bit, I think, I think this is where most people are. The minimization is where most people are. People who work in intercultural, sorry, in international corporates or people who work with expatriates. It's okay that they drink hot water. Yeah. That's it. That's like minimizations where you highlight the cultural commonality and you kind of use the u- mm. universal values and principles that keep you guys working towards the same goal. But when you're doing that, it's masking mm. some mm. deeper recognition and appreciation of cultural differences. But it's OK. Like that's, you know, that's mm. really what we can ask of people. So if you're if today we're discussing intercultural communication and how we could do it or how we can help people, like if you just help people go from mm-hmm. polarization to minimization, you have achieved a lot in terms of helping mm-hmm. mitigate people's differences and work. What are the next two? Oh, stages? The next two stages are funny because the next next two stages have um, more positive words. And when I did the test, I thought I was going to be at the last one. The next two in order 
are acceptance and adaptation. Acceptance, of course, it's easy to understand is that you recognize and appreciate patterns of cultural differences mm-hmm. and commonalities um, in your own culture and in the other person's culture. So like that is to say like, okay, I und- I love how people have parties in Chinese cultures. I love going to restaurants and sit in a restaurant and order really, you know, spicy, tasty food. But I also appreciate parties where we go to someone else's house, like we're in the States and we all bring food of different kinds mm-hmm. and we just drink at home and I appreciate how people in two different cultures could all have fun. It's not saying like I will try to i see the difference i will only cater to the western like the american parties and not Mm -hmm. appreciate my own parties so that's kind of acceptance like you see something that's the same people want to get together have a good time and you know that we do it differently and you appreciate Mm -hmm. both Mm -hmm. in each scenario so adaptation Mm -hmm. would be i enjoy hot water now like the malaysian guy from the beginning of the story (laughs) adaptation is that kind of mentality will shift your cultural perspective and like you said change your behavior in culture Truly appropriate and authentic ways. Like you, you, you actually feel like you want to do this. So right? I haven't, I haven't reached that stage because I enjoy. <laughs> I, I still want to drink ice water. Ha <laughs> 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 Hi, summer. <laughs> <laughs> share a really interesting idea that I found fascinating from 10 years uh-huh. ago. I was in a graduate seminar and we were doing uh, post-colonial studies. So he was talking yeah. about British culture, how to define British culture. And historians are always looking for new ways to learn about the way mm. that people understood themselves and others. It's interesting. There's a new trend in history. I guess it yeah. may not be new now, but 10 years ago it was new. And that is looking at what white imperialist Europeans would say say about other cultures, not because of what they were saying about other mm-hmm. cultures, but because what is said about themselves. So if they say they are like this, then that means that this white imperialist culture is saying we don't think of ourselves as having that property yeah. or characteristic. And so historians actually are using these, uh, uh, I don't know, descriptions by white imperialists of other cultures and reversing mm. them to try to better deconstruct the the perceived identities of the imperialists. Wow. And so there's cultures actually, it can be really, really complex, you know? It, it really is. And I guess that's a good way to tie it back to what we're saying in the very beginning. Mm. It's a very... Very, very complex definitions a very mm. complex topic. well you know i i have a couple last kind of questions and that is do you think alex yeah do you think it's a good idea that because we, we live in a i want to frame this a little bit we live in an increasingly globalized world where people are moving around and we're interacting with each other's cultures and whether people like it or not globalization is a reality mm. so should yeah kids or middle school kids or whatever be learning these kinds of skills everywhere i i don't know if kids should learn skills i don't think they should learn it from a theoretical perspective Mm -hmm. i would love for kids to have more chances to meet other people Mm -hmm. from different cultures Mm -hmm. instead of learning about cultural differences like i don't want Mm -hmm. kids to be in classrooms and i mean again this is personally i could Mm -hmm. totally Mm -hmm. be wrong Mm -hmm. i don't want kids to sit there and hear things along the lines of we should be global citizens we should (laughs) embrace different cultures and we should embrace cultural diversity Mm -hmm. 
um, and we should learn to love each other. I, instead, I was like, I would be, I would be from like primary school, even kindergarten, just make sure that these kids could interact with other kids, mm. take them to, and this is not even, you know, uh, racially related or international, you know, related, take them to the countryside, take them to meet kids mm, who are in a smaller mm, city, mm. um, have the smaller city kids have an opportunity to like stay to for a week in yeah. Beijing. And then if you have the opportunity, take your kids to travel or, you know, the school, if you're an educator of, a, of an, an educational institute, make sure you have programs where they could meet kids from other countries, other regions, or have them write each other or have them mm. talk to each other mm. on a Zoom call because mm. it's so easy nowadays. That's, that's very have the kids yeah. really exposed because when they're younger, their mind is the easiest to change. They are actually going to see people that are different from them. We have to learn about the theories. We have to know about the modules because we have been programmed. We are a well-run program that is hard to change now. So you have to convince me before I could say something show me the results, show me the visualization of the data, then I will be like, okay, mm. that's strong enough of an incentive or a reason for me to go change my behavior. But if we're talking about little kids, mm. expose them to different cultures. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. I actually think that's really, really insightful and a better answer than I could have given. I have another question. Last, last, last question. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to frame this to Frederick Douglass, yeah. American thinker. He said, quote, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. But I kind of want to turn this around a little bit. And, you know, what your ideas are clearly good. And I think I think this is kind of happening, but we do have a lot of adults who have not learned these skills. Yeah. And as a last question, if you could do any one thing or teach any one skill or, or say any one kind of thing to these adults mm. or to people trying to help maybe their friend or their uncle who maybe <laughs> interculturally challenged. Yeah. What would you say is the best step that they could take for these, these folks to be more open-minded about global culture? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I know it. It is a tough one. <laughs> and, and, and this is going to probably, this is probably not going to be the answer that you're expecting. Mm. My answer to those questions to those people, <laughs> not those people. That sound weird. My answer to my answer to that kind of um, mm -hmm. question is that ask them this one question. Mm -hmm. Say, are there differences making negative impacts on your life? Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, can you leave them so alone? So you just want to take them. Can you just let them one be? step? Because over. I, I this, here's the thing. I am a very realistic and <laughs> practical yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, right. If yes, they're really yes, yes, older, yes. they've lived or they've lived on this earth for sixty years without understanding it without thinking that this is something that I should do or I need to do or is kind to do, you're not going to change how they behave over overnight. And if their attitude is causing discomfort or sometimes even harm to the other group, mm. then the best you can do is to stop them from stop them from. So minimize and we want to move people to minimizing kind of from polarization. Is that right? Yes. Just move them one step. Over. Just one step is a lot. Yeah. You can't, you are not going to, I am not even at uh, adaptation. My actual result is still at acceptance. I'm high up on acceptance, but I am mm. not. And you people would think like, oh, you've lived over in the States and you understand and you have, you interact with these people mm, 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 from mm, mm, people mm. from both cultures or different cultures all the time. You should be, no, mm. even I am not there yet. So let's lower expectations on people and just think about the actual impact of people's words and actions. Thank you for your insights 
and your time, Alex. So we'll talk to you soon. We'd love to talk more about this in the future. <laughs> oh.